Welcome to the January 11th edition of the PFF Forecast. We've got a little, we're mixing it up a little bit for the playoffs. We have our anchor, Seth Galena, as usual. We couldn't do it without him. Myself and Brad will be joined by our good friend who uh, helps us out on Sunday nights, member of the Printing Press, Arjun Menon. He's uh, going to be a permanent member of the Wednesday pod as well. I'm going to pick the locks of the week with him. Judah is taking a week off uh, as well. So it's a little bit different, but it's going to be a great podcast because we've got playoff football. Let's rock. here made it through week 18 all of the crappy football and now we get skylar thompson anthony brown the giants and the vikings so we all asked for i've been saying i need anthony brown more than anything he's the quarterback i want to watch uh so this is heaven for me getting to see another anthony brown football game it's going to be spectacular so we thought we'd do 30 minutes on Anthony Brown, uh, really just dive deeply because no one, you know, people don't know enough about him. Um, and and you're the only person that we could <laughs> we could ask. So you know, we're glad did, we got I you. Watched a lot of Anthony Brown film because he played a lot of years in college, and we did the college football preview magazine. And I watched mm-hmm. him in Boston College, and I watched him in Oregon, and it's enough. <laughs> uh, I was going to say um, r- real quick. Can you give us your take on what Brad's uh, Bears should do? <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm willing to. I'm. I'm a lot lower on Justin Fields than I was pre-draft. I think like a lot of people are. I, I thought he was a generational prospect, and clearly that's that hasn't um, come to fruition. But I think that he he keeps you afloat at least with his legs. That I'm willing to spend another year developing him as a passer. Because it's there is a relatively high ceiling because of the legs, and then you can just go out. I mean, the, the roster needs so many different um, players that you could trade down and get some picks. Um, or uh, honestly, I'm not even mad if you go and take Will Anderson and Jalen Carter could be two generational type prospects, number one overall pick type prospects. So I'm not even mad if you do that. But I do think Justin Fields should be the starting quarterback next year, and I don't think you should take a quarterback. You okay with that, Brad? Yeah, it's cool. I will suggest one more. If it was Caleb Williams and not Bryce Young, would you have the same answer? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I just think it's like, it's okay not to just be like, okay, well, we take the quarterback and then we we have, an, uh, like, we we, we kind of gain two years on the rookie contract deal and can, like, you got to get good players somehow. And they have cap space, you know, they're going to have cap space, like, they just, they'll have room to go get players. Um, I, I, yeah, I l- love Caleb Williams. He's awesome. But I think I'm still sticking with Justin Fields. Speaking of quarterbacks that every film nerd loves, we have the uh, we have the hipster football Super Bowl this Saturday night. It's Chargers Jags. It's every person that thinks they were on the cutting edge of what was next in the NFL was on one of these two teams or both. If you go, if you exist on football Twitter and you don't have a special love for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert, you can't get in. You can't get into the club. The president of the club is Seth Galina. So I'm excited to talk about this game. We talked about it at length on Sunday night. It was one of the uh, games that we wrote up in our early spread picks column. Um, Gotten a little bit of closing line value there. Chargers going to Jacksonville. Chargers 10 and 7. Jaguars 9 and 8. The Jaguars obviously win the division. So they're playing at home. They've gone from first overall pick with Trevor Lawrence. First overall pick with Trayvon Walker, complete nightmare of a head coaching situation with Urban Meyer, now to actually making the uh, the playoffs and a team that beginning the year, everyone said, this is the Bengals of this year. And here they are, right? With kind of this uh, similar opportunity. Now they're getting to play a home game. They have a team slightly better than the Raiders coming to town. I think we can agree uh, with the Chargers. The Chargers currently a two-point favorite total at 47 and a half, 48 degrees, clear skies on NBC. It's the B squad for NBC. So Seth, I normally ask you, what's your 
what's the biggest mismatch or matchup on the field that you're watching. So I ask you that again, but maybe compare and contrast the two quarterbacks. Which one do you think you would you would roll with here? The way that Trevor Lawrence is playing right now, it's hard to not want to roll with him. But of course, there's so much, so many issues when we try to just look at and isolate Justin Herbert because we know he's a great quarterback. But then we look at the stats and there's no really good stat. Box score stat, advanced metrics, whatever you want to look at, it's just, it's mid right now. But I, you believe, I believe in him because I've seen great play out of him. And I really do think that there's a ton of issues structurally within that, that offensive room from coaching to um, receiver unit to offensive line unit. And then even Herbert has kind of decided, and I, and I do think this is partly part of scheme, but he has kind of decided that he's going to throw the ball short. He's going to check it down. And and that's just kind of maybe who he is. Now, the thing is, he wasn't really like that as a, I was going to say a true freshman, as a true rookie uh, two years ago, he was throwing the ball down the field, which is like kind of the player that we would have expected uh, when he was drafted. So I think that that is in him. And you think he's being kind of super, uh, oppressed I'll say by um by the three things that I mentioned you know scheme receiver talent in terms of having an explosive receiver down the field and obviously the offensive line has is cursed for the last 15 years and with the Chargers so I like Lawrence a bit more because everything seems healthier in terms of the surrounding talent around him surrounding cast around him they're both very similar quarterbacks I love watching both of them Lawrence, the the timing that he's playing with right now is incredible. He's getting the ball off super quickly, um, but to the right receivers and to, you know, if the first read is there, he's there and he's throwing the ball accurately, doing all those things really nicely. I'll say, I will say that for the kind of other matchup, the interesting thing for me is Jawan Taylor, the right tackle for the Jacksonville mm -hmm. Jaguars, having a really good season. He's going to go against Joey Bosa, who's back. Now, Bosa was there the first time these teams met, and Taylor kind of did a good job against him. So five pass rushes for Bosa, no wins for Bosa, no pass rush wins for Bosa. Now he gets injured. That's why it's only five mm -hmm. pass rushes mm -hmm. in, in a whole game for Bosa. He gets injured out for basically the rest of the season until last week, I believe. So that, to me, is a super interesting matchup because um, two, two, obviously an elite edge rusher and a guy who's really proven himself to be a, a pretty solid right tackle as well. Yeah, the uh, the matchup here is interesting. Obviously, they played all the way back in week three. That was right off Herbert's injury. You mentioned a couple other injuries as well. Um, I guess my question for you was, I think the Titans and Chargers probably couldn't be two polar opposite you know, opponents for the Jaguars to play in back-to-back -back weeks. And, and I just think it's a much better matchup this time around for the, the Chargers you know, and not for the Jaguars. Uh, do you see it the same way? Do you think there's some things they could exploit that maybe the Titans – Obviously, did very well against them on defense. Are there some things the Jaguars could do better that they couldn't do against the Titans last week? Yeah, well, I think you mentioned that the injury to Herbert coming off the injury. That was, you know, the, the Thursday game to the Chiefs the week before that. He's got the rib injury, and he didn't play very well, but I think there were plays to be made in that game that you would expect Herbert to make if he's feeling better and, and, and he has been, you know, playing kind of better um, since then. So I think that's where I would look at it and say, like, okay, it won't be a blowout like it was in week three. I think the Chargers can score some points, you know, and you're you're there, you're hoping they're as healthy as they've been all year. Assuming Mike Williams, I think it was back spasms. Hopefully he'll be okay. That's probably not a long-term injury, but you never know, right? Um, so hopefully everyone's healthy and they can go out and score some points. Trevor Lawrence in that game was after like the first quarter, I guess, maybe the first quarter and a half, he was lights out. So you're hoping that you get that game. You're hoping you get the same Trevor Lawrence who who absolutely killed the Chargers uh, in week three, and you're getting a healthy Herbert and that offense scoring points, and hopefully we get a super exciting matchup. The health, I think, is interesting. And, you know, I, it, so I asked you that first question, uh, Seth, and immediately I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. Of course he's going to say Herbert. Herbert's the better quarterback. But you look at you know, uh, hearing you say that, I'm going, I'm looking at the data a little bit more. They have basically the same PFF grade. 
But Lawrence really started the year out poorly. I mean, it was not, it was not good. As of late, if you look over the last 10 weeks, he's been the better quarterback. He's been the higher graded quarterback. Um, the thing that Herbert does that, you know, it's interesting. I almost feel like I'm watching a game between Herbert and a guy that's going to be Herbert in, in a year or two in terms of, I mean, you know, experience, right? And I think that's where, to me, there's a little bit, I, I see this this edge, right? Which is, I think, why the Chargers are favored in this game is, hey, they're here for the first time the Jags are. You know, this is really the first time that Trevor Lawrence is going to be in a game that actually freaking matters against another team that's competent. And you just expect the X factor. The one thing that I see in, in Herbert's favor, you talk about things that are consistent for quarterbacks. Big time throw percentage tends to be a little more erratic. Lawrence has been better there this year. You mentioned Herbert being a little bit more of a check down guy. But con uh, contrary to what Emmanuel Acho preaches from his um, you know, pulpit every every weekday on whatever the hell channel Nickelodeon you gotta find, you gotta find him. Um it, Justin Herbert has been better at limiting turnover-worthy plays. And I just think in this game, I would expect that to persist. And I would expect Herbert to be better at taking advantage of his athleticism uh, in, in this scenario that, than Lawrence would. But the last thing that I want to mention is there's, there's some injury news. You mentioned Mike Williams. Brad, what do we know about Mike Williams? And then also Rashawn Slater. Yep. So Mike Williams did not practice again today. They've been trying to say they're hoping he gets a practice in before this game. Probably doesn't help. It's on a Saturday instead of a Sunday. I think even if he does play, he's not going to be hundred percent. I think the risk of re-injury is going to be very high. I mean, it's back spasms, right? It can pop up at any moment. It's kind of a hard thing to truly get rid of. On the flip side though, no indication if he's going to play, but Rashawn Slater was a full participant in practice today. Not even limited, had his helmet on, was going through. Yeah. So I, I would guess he's not going to play. I think we would have heard that by now. Um, but yeah, that's that's where those two stand. And Mike Williams, it's it's a big loss, kind of taking the top off this defense for the Jaguars. They're good up front. They they, they are really good up front at this point. So um, I think it's a big loss potentially. Yeah, that would be brutal. I, that would really change my mind about some things um, if he's unable to play. So, so Slater, what I heard, they're not activating him. That's that's correct. I don't think so. Like, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, but he could be back then if they advance. I think if they win this game, he will play in the divisional round. Yep. Um, Seth, I had one, one other question for you. Uh, our compadre, Ben Lindsay, does a fantastic job kind of identifying kind of key schematic uh, data points to look at here. Jacksonville has the best EPA per play against man coverage. And the Chargers play the eighth most man coverage in the NFL. You obviously are able to kind of look at the nuance of, you know, types of coverage and, you know, man and zone, not all man and not all zone is created equal. Is that something that is that you think is a real uh, edge and real advantage here? Or is this a little bit of, you know, maybe the data not telling the whole story? I think it tells tells a, an, an all right story. It tells most of the story. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that they're very good at defeating man coverage, they go into a lot of bunches and stacks. So what you end up with is, is is you 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 give teams uh, a pause. A defense is a pause as they look at you when you line up. If you're in man coverage and a team goes into three receiver bunch or a two receiver stack, you got to make a call that's not exactly what you had decided to play with a coach had called in. Right now, it's based on the, you know it's practice. It is based on the overarching call that that's made, but it's a separate call because you can't just say, oh well. If the guys, if they're in man, then we play, I'm sorry, if they're in a bunch and we just keep, keep our guys and that's it. Everything kind of changes, your leverage changes, your levels change, et cetera, et cetera. So they do a good job of that. I would also say, like I said, Trevor Lawrence, his timing helps because he's not waiting on anything. Um, you know, thinking about the Dak Prescott interception return for a touchdown last week, you're mm -hmm. a tick late, you're inside. You know, we throw the ball inside, not necessarily man coverage, but it does end up being man coverage with Kendall Fuller. And then you get an interception turn for a touchdown. That's not happening with Trevor Lawrence right now. And I, I would say it's not really happening with Dak either besides that one play, but that's not really happening with um, Trevor Lawrence right now. He's on time. He's making these really good decisions. On the flip side, you talk about the charges. It's really funny because we talk, we, all we want to talk about was too high, too high, too high, too high. And, Brandon Staley, I mean, even a little, a little bit last year, but definitely this year, like you said, they're playing a lot of man coverage. 
they are kind of just saying, we're going to try and get a, a safety down in the box. We're going to try and cover up all the receivers. We're playing one gap defense and we're going to try and attack because we just can't really do anything else. Like we just don't, we don't really don't have the players to deal with all the stuff that we wanted to do or us, let's say all the stuff that Brandon Staley had wanted to do uh, or did with the Rams and that really good defensive line. So they've kind of have to do different stuff. Michael Davis has played really well. Like that's been really the big surprise. JC Jackson did not play well, got injured. Michael Davis is coming in and had some really good games. So that's been a surprise for them. Tough because the Jaguars give you so many threats. This is like an interesting discussion, probably. Um, I They have, you know, four solid players at receiver and tight end, right? They don't have that, that true number one. Though Kirk is playing really well, they don't have that true number one, but four solid players across the board, you can find a matchup there. And Doug Peterson has done a really good job finding those matchups. All right, let's uh, let's play some bets here. I this is interesting. Uh, let's start with you, Brad. Um, what's your favorite bet or two in this one? Yeah, so we talked about it last week before the Titans Jaguars game. The Jaguars have a great run defense. Honestly, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker setting the edge in that game was like a difference making part of that of that win for them. Probably not trying to draft number one overall because you set a mean edge, but he did have an awesome game. Um, so look, the Chargers also don't run the ball. Uh, I love Keenan Allen over receptions. Obviously, we talked about Trey Herndon a little bit in Jacksonville. That is the weak link in the secondary for them. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of throwing. Uh, or excuse me, a lot of running from the Chargers, and I think they're going to attack the slot. So I like Keenan Allen over over receptions. That was that was mine. Um, and uh, look, we aligned last week. Brad and I did on uh, Chigozim Okonkwo, and uh, we're going to align this week on Keenan Allen. A little bit easier to say. Uh, same result. Um, by the way, members of the Printing Press listening here who are not a part of the PFF Printing Press Discord yet. Should get involved. It's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of good angles, good news being filtered up that way. Um, so you'll find out about stuff really quickly and can get on board and ride with the squad on the uh, on the bets that are posted in there. I think Arjun called out Boston Scott last week on, on Sunday morning. So um, get involved there. It's over six and a half, I think minus 120 in most places uh, here. I, I'm on board 100% with that one. That's my favorite play here. I am really, though, Seth has given me a lot of pause on the game overall. And I think right now at plus two, I actually kind of like the Jaguars a lot as a teaser. I think that's my favorite kind of play on the the game. Um, maybe the total uh, as well, but I, I'm, I'm having some doubts about the Chargers. Um, Seth, where, where are you going from a betting perspective? I, I think I have a one that I'm going to bet that I'm just going to try and have some fun with. And that's Christian Kirk over 22 and a half longest reception. Okay. He's been a guy that they've tried to hit. Like when they go play action under center, try and hit that big post route, big crossing route. He's the guy that they want to target. You saw it for a touchdown against the Titans. You saw it for a big play against the Chargers in week three. So I think that's just a fun play um to to be on the edge of your seat every time that trevor lawrence turns his back and fakes the ball to the running back and might go to kirk for a big game yeah you mentioned uh kirk he's kind of their their best um best receiver uh on a kind of middling squad of receivers bryce callahan in the slot for the chargers uh 67.4 coverage grade is 47 out of 122 corners you mentioned they play a lot of man coverage like I like those bunches, Kirk being kind of hidden, trying to figure out who's covering him. Um, basically, everyone outside of Derwin James has been pretty black on that in that secondary. Michael Davis has been good, so um, like all of those. Let's uh, let's transition to Sunday night. We'll probably spend a little bit less time here because it is Anthony Brown. Uh, the Bengals, uh, or it looks like it's going to be Anthony Brown. Lamar still not practicing. Tyler Huntley didn't practice. Um, that's a whole conversation unto itself. And Brad, I think you'd enjoy this. I was waiting to, to talk to you today because I, I wake up early in the morning. I'm on the West Coast. I turn on ESPN. And it's like the end, you know, last 20 minutes of Sports Center, making some coffee, drinking coffee, you know, going up here, trying to you know, get a nice productive day started, Brad. Get up comes on. And I've got to listen to, I don't even remember who it was, tell me that Lamar might not sign uh, the franchise tag if they franchise tag him. 
Hey, you might not and sign it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, so at first I'm like, there's no way, right? There's no way. It, like, it's so prohibitive for you not to, to sign it. And I'm like, Lamar doesn't have an agent. Lamar, like, if anyone is going to like, not, he's only, you know, he's you know, what, 25 years old, you know, Stetson Bennett in terms of age. Um, and, uh, you know, is, is a guy that obviously doesn't want to get injured. He wants a long-term deal. Like I could see that not happening. Incredible. Yeah, I really ride. think it is possible. I think he's going to play hardball the entire time. He, you know, I don't think he is right now. There's been a lot of speculation. Is he like purposely holding out? No, I mean the, the PCL injury for a guy like him is tough. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to place it. It's going to be the, the exclusive tender for forty five million dollars, which is going to be crazy that he's not going to sign that. But um, I don't think he will. Uh, and uh, you know, then they'll just try to work out a deal. Well, that's a placeholder. It's going to be a fascinating offseason in Baltimore. Yes, and that offseason looks like it's going to start this week. Uh, so Seth, I ask you this. Um, it obviously matters who covers the spread here uh, for people listening to this podcast. <laughs> so kind of as opposed to, you know, thinking about win or loss, is there a matchup here that you think will impact, you know, that that impacts the spread one way or the other? The matchup is kind of Joe Burrow, that offense versus Mike McDonald's defense and a defense that's played really well. You know, the the splits from trading for Roquan Smith have 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 looked painted them in a really good light since then. So they've been playing playing really good. Joe Burrow's kind of two worst games. So so after the the season opener, we remember the appendix thing. He gets sacked a million times. He throws picks to the to the Steelers. But since then, you know, Burrow's been pretty good. It's like it hasn't been pretty good. He's been excellent. He's been elite. But his two worst games are against the Ravens. And what they did last week was say, hey, we know you're not going to run the football. We know you can't run the football. You don't even try to run the football anymore, so it doesn't matter. And we're going to play as much, you know, too high, cover two, cover four. We're not going to let you take one-on-ones down the field. And it's funny because they didn't have a lot of opportunities to take one-on-ones on the field. When they did, Chase got the ball down the field on go balls and he caught one of them and he almost caught the other one. So there, that to me is a really interesting matchup. Obviously you look at it and say, okay, if they're going to play too high, are the Bengals even going to try to run the football? And if they do, can they run the football? I would probably say no. I mean, obviously Mixon's a good player, but the holes have to be there and they just haven't been there this whole season. So now it's really on Joe Burrow to make some really good decisions. And when I look at that game, I see a quarterback and we know Burrow can make good decisions and throw the ball down the field and, and get completions. He's, he kind of is becoming a little bit of a check down champion. And it's like, Hey, like any, any little sign of pressure, he's dumping the ball down he's getting completions, but the completions for two yards when he could wait, you know, that half second and get a completion for a first down. So that's the thing, the thing that I'm, that I'm interested in, obviously we don't expect the Ravens to do much on offense, but if they could at least move the ball a little bit and not give the Bengals short fields, kind of like they did last week, then then it could be interesting. It really could be interesting. Glad you went there, Seth. I pulled this before the show. The Bengals EPA against the Ravens this year, negative 0.163, which would rank 30th in the NFL, and a 41.5% success rate, which just means a positive EPA per EPA play, which would be 23rd against everyone else. 0.041 EPA is fifth. And the 49.1 success rate is first. So the Ravens have caused a ton of problems for them um, on defense. And then no Alex Cap with the right guard, no Lyle Collins, the right tackle. So, you know, I guess my question is, we have that side figured out. Like, what can the Ravens do on offense? How can they get creative? How can they try to make things work to score? You know, it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But how can they score and stay in this game? You know, I, I don't have the numbers, but I, I watching the – Anthony Brown led Ravens offense last week. I noticed they were pretty condensed. Now the Ravens are generally obviously have big bodies on the field and want to want to play in a, in a phone booth to a certain degree, but it felt like even more last week with Anthony Brown. And obviously it didn't work. I mean, they struggled to move the ball at all. I, I do wonder if they maybe get a little spreadier and try to create some running lanes for Brown for the running backs. I will say that the offensive line has been really good um, in the past, let's say five, let's say since the Lamar injury of creating lanes in the running game for uh, Edwards and Dobbins. The issue is that they don't have any complimentary, they don't have that complimentary piece with Lamar Jackson taking the ball himself. Huntley's a, a, 
a runner, but he's not Lamar Jackson. Anthony Brown's a runner. He's not Lamar Jackson. Like not, you know what I mean? It's not even close. Uh, so that's really been the difference. The offensive line has played well, but you just don't have that explosive nature um, without that that electric quarterback there. So I'd maybe maybe going a little more spread might help them. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and and that those EPA numbers um, include the miserable opening game against Pittsburgh, where yep. you know it was a four interceptions or whatever that that yeah. Burrow had. Um, it was just complete travesty. But they, they really have figured it out. It's almost as if this is a replay of last year's playoffs where you have Hakeem Adeniji <laughs> over there on the right side of the offensive line. It's just like you might as well you know go to church and start praying for Joe Burrow's survival uh, at this point. Um, and Clay's Campbell, he's not the same player that he has been in the past, but he'll be over there on that side, you know, kind of wreaking havoc. And um, I don't know. I mean, the when I look at this one um, – you see some opportunities for a guy like Jamar Chase, for example, you know, against anyone other than Marlon Humphrey, right? And he's gotten, he's been a target hog against uh, the Ravens in the couple of games that they played since he's come back from injury. He had 12 targets just last week against the same team. Looks like they're going to get Marcus Peters back. Uh, Brad, is that the- limited, limited today? He's supposed to play though. I like Marcus Peters. I, I mean, I like Jamar Chase getting a, off injury Marcus Peters like that to me just seems like a kind of a nightmare there so I'll kick off the betting on this side of things I think from a game perspective it's now that's eight and a half I could be convinced to take the Ravens plus eight and a half um, but I also really like the uh, the Bengals as a teaser leg um, down two and a half especially in a low low scoring game total at, at uh, 40 and a half but Jamar Chase over six and a half receptions against um, Marcus Peters slash anyone other than uh, Marlon Humphrey, that that secondary has not been solid. So um, that's that's my favorite bet. Uh, Seth, where are you going? I, I, I took them when there was uh, – I took the Bengals at minus eight. Feel good about – I just don't know how the Ravens move the ball. Like I said, they did a little bit by the end. They had two, two okay drives. But I, the main thing for me is I think that the Bengals now see them – Last week, you see him again seven days later. I think they can make some adjustments. Zach Taylor's had a good season as a play caller. Um, so so I'll give him some credit there to make adjustments. I also like Chase over six and a half catches. He's had seven, at least seven catches in every game in his career against the Ravens. So that looks like a good you, number to me. Data scientist Seth Galina joining us. The, the thing I like about both you guys yes. there too is Tyler if Boyd and data scientist. If that's <laughs> data science, man, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know if you've been on Twitter at all this year, Seth, but just about anything uh, that's put in a thread qualifies you for whatever you say you are. But you have to you have to announce that you're doing a thread, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you're good. I, I think the person of the year in 2023 should be the Twitter thread. It's it's <laughs> absolutely it's insane. It, it, you could be. Anybody, I swear, it's like the easiest thing that anyone could do. It's like, oh, you want a career in this? Just start threading about it. You you Wikipedia, the, little, the, turn the, into a thread. the emoji, the little thread emoji. Mm-hmm. That's how you really kick it off. You know, the, the little spool of, of yarn or whatever. Um, but yeah, to, to jump in, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are probably not going to be 100%. So, so I like Jamar Chase as well. Uh, both got dinged up a little bit last week. I would go, though. George, you touched on it. We'll get into teasers and stuff later. But um, the under 40 and a half is very intriguing. I mean, the Bengals scored 27 points. They had five turnovers last week. So they really didn't move the ball that well at all. It was because they had so many advantageous short fields and all that stuff. Um, you know, playoff game, third time playing against each other. Another offensive line injury for Cincy. Like Seth saying, the Ravens might score a touchdown the entire game. Um, I, I don't hate the under 40 and a half here. As scary as it is with the Bengals offense, uh, I think this could be like a 17-10, you know, 17-7 type of game, you know, just because it's a third matchup between these teams. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun to uh, wonder why I, that low total um, scares me a little bit. Um, all right, Monday night, Cowboys, Bucks, Cowboys 12-5, 10-7 against the spread. Sounds nice. But it has not been a a nice end to the season uh, for the Cowboys at all. They beat uh, Josh Dobbs and the Titans and covered there. They beat Gardner Minshew and the Eagles the week before, but then were embarrassed thoroughly 
against the Washington Commanders last week. They scored a whopping six points while trying to score on purpose. They tried to score with their starters and could not do it. Um, and are going to Tampa Bay to visit the eight and nine Bucks by virtue of winning that division. The Bucks are four twelve and one against the spread this year. Um, the Cowboys favored by two and a half here, total at forty five and a half. Um, set super interesting game. Uh, these teams obviously met in Week One of the NFL season. Dak Prescott got injured. The Bucks won nineteen to three. A lot has changed since then. What is the matchup that you're watching most closely in this one? Matchup I'm watching is like Dak Prescott versus tipped balls, because that's been that, that's kind of been the, um, the storyline where he's throwing all these interceptions. And I'd say most of them aren't his fault. And people are looking at him like, oh, he's not playing well. I, I, I know it's great. It's funny because I wa- this is one of those things where you watch it and over this kind of big um, win streak and, and massive point totals that they've been putting out before last week. Dak's passer rating isn't great. His PFF grade isn't great. It's mid, right? His yards mm-hmm. per attempt is mid, but I'm looking at him saying, I, I think this guy's still a, a great quarterback. That's just my Dak bias. I'm pro Dak. So, so yeah, in this game, that that can happen. Can have some weird interception. He didn't play well last week. I mean, this is one of the games where it's like, no, I actually saw that he did not play well last week. I agree with the stats in this one. He did not play well. So I think, but I think there's a bounce back opportunity. This team is really, really good. I'll say the one thing that concerns me, Tyron Smith, probably a Hall of Famer, you know, all pro player at left tackle in his career. He came back from injury a couple of weeks ago. He's playing right tackle because they didn't want to mess up Tyler Smith's development at left tackle, who's played there almost the whole season. It's not been vintage Tyron Smith trying to get adjusted to that side of the field. So that could be a spot of concern for the for the Cowboys on that side of the field. Now, you know, the guy who's going to be rushing him, Joe Tryon Sharinka, has, has not been, you know, the best pass rusher out there for sure. But I think that could give them some, uh, you know, the 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 youthful exuberance of a player in his uh, second year versus the veteran trying to make his way on the right side. I think that's a matchup to watch. Yeah, which I just I just don't get why you move Tyron Smith over. That's a, that's a conversation for a different day. But so this is kind of a general question, but it plays into this matchup 110%. So you have the Cowboys with, you know, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, but you have Tom Brady's 2.33 average time to throw, fastest in the NFL. The general question is like, when you know you're playing a quarterback that gets the ball out that quickly and your pass rush is the strength of your defense, what are some counters you can make? Like, I remember random anecdote, like as a Bears fan back in the day, like there was the Eagles-Bears playoff game, ignoring how that game ended. But Khalil Mack was kind of neutralized because Nick Foles was just throwing the ball in two seconds every single snap. What's a counter a defense can then make to counter that 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 idea? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that pops in my head is like obviously playing man coverage and playing press man coverage, which the Cowboys do. The Cowboys are a man coverage team. You know, they will press you. They will try to... Uh, make you hold on to the football by getting contact on your receivers and making them late in their routes, late at their at the break point. Now, the, the the flip side to that is, of course, Tampa Bay does a good job. We talked about it before. They get do a good job using motion uh, to get into bunches. Not something they use motion a lot, but they use it to do certain things to to defeat man coverage. And Chris Godwin has been the beneficiary of that for three years with Brady. I just talking about Godwin, it's funny. You watch him. He doesn't seem like he's got that burst anymore. And obviously coming back up the ACL turn, I look, he actually looked good on him. I went back and, and watched a few plays from the, the week one game. He did look kind of good, but recently just, it just doesn't look like it's there. So that to me would be the concern. I, that's kind of how you would do it. Obviously you're trying to press and, and disguise the Cowboys have started, have done some good disguising on, especially on third down showing their man coverage looks, getting out of it. So that, that those are the two things. Playing press man obviously is going to disrupt timing and then disguising post-snap also. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. You look at the two quarterbacks and Brady, uh, about 80 PFF grade, you know, twice as many big-time throws as turnover-worthy plays, that time to throw, still super, super good. Um, but 
you know, is pastoring under pressure. It's 44.4, you know, and this isn't something that is said because I think he's got 44 pass rating under pressure in this game um, because that's an unstable statistic, but you know, that he is not a mobile guy, right? If you're going to get to Tom Brady, it, it could be not, not a great situation. The receivers though, seem to be healthy. And I think that's really important. You've seen Mike Evans kind of come on uh, of late here. Um, I, I don't know. I, I am just kind of, I am feeling a, uh, we, t- we turn on ESPN on Tuesday morning and we're just, we can't even talk about the games that actually happened because all we're talking about is who's going to be the next coach in Dallas <laughs> because they've <laughs> lost. And that means Mike McCarthy is out. I just like, I can, I can visualize it. Um, so anyways, that, that tells you where my head is at. Uh, Brad, we'll start with you. Um, what's your favorite bet in this game? I got a feeling I'm going to steal your favorite play again on this one. Uh, it's an obvious one for me. It's an absolute no-brainer. It is CeeDee Lamb over six and a half receptions. Yeah, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis on the outside, two very good corners. Sean Murphy Bunsing, a little bit of Anton Winfield, who's been good in the slot. Um, but I think they're going to just pepper CeeDee with targets. I can see him having 10 catches in this game. Uh, that That's my play there. Yeah, I, I'll, I'm just going to be very brief. CeeDee. The whole way. Yeah. That, I, I wrote a CD over six no. and a half. Uh-oh. I, I, Uh-oh. I, was, I was looking at um, third down numbers recently. And the Cowboys have been on fire on third down. Probably not a stable stat, to be honest. But they've been on fire on third down since Dak returned from injury. I think it's like 50, they're converting 54% of the third down since Dak's been back from injury. And who does the ball go to on third down? Is CD Lamb. So like he's gonna get the targets, and I think that um that it's gonna go over six and a half. Pet peeves, uh, my favorite segment. Uh, what did we call it? Uh soft spot. Soft the, spot. That's it. The opposite. So now it's pet peeve or soft spot. Or Seth, what's what is it this week? So my pet peeve this week is the term uh NFL throw, mm. which you're gonna be hearing more and more as we get into draft season. The sports in general at the professional level is there's obviously room to talk about elite traits in whatever way you want to talk about them. In this case, NFL throw, like what is an NFL throw? But at the end of the day, a lot, all these guys can play if they're at this level. Can you play at a solid level? Doesn't have to be elite level a solid level eight out of 10 plays. That's what makes you a good player or not. It's like, can you do that all the time? I always use a hockey analysis, which is just like pretty much everyone who plays in the NHL can stand there at the faceoff dot and receive a pass standing still and shoot the puck and hit the net. Like that, of course you can do that. But Alex Ovechkin does it every single time that passes is passed to him. So that's the difference. Now, obviously, he has elite traits. I get that. But, like, that's a difference. So I just think, like, when we talk about really any type of draft prospect, even NFL players, like, we got to stay away from talking about, like, oh, this one play that he made. This, oh, I saw this play once so he can do it again. When the whole the whole thing about sports is can you do this time and time again? And uh, that's my pet peeve. Best example was Stetson Bennett to Lad McConkey when McConkey had maybe 20 yards of separation and it was like a 30-yard ball. <laughs> it was like... So, yeah, I, I thought that maybe, maybe that was the inspiration for that one. It, you know what the cover of the, the NFL throw book is? It's the uh, it's a screenshot of Zach Wilson launching that, yes. you know, opposite hash oh, yeah. <laughs> throw. The pro day um, throw. So incredible. Um, uh, I think that what you said at the beginning, Seth, you said sports in general. And I just have a vision now in my head of you hosting a three hour long podcast called sports in general with <laughs> Seth Galina. <laughs> I think that would, that would be great. I'd listen. Don't give the people any ideas. Let's save it for ourselves, man. That's true. That's true. Um, Seth, it is always a pleasure. Enjoy the playoff weekend this week and uh, we will hit you on the other side. See you guys. At PFF Seth, you can go check him out um, on Twitter, get all of his great content uh there and pff.com and the pff app as well before we get to arjun a couple of things to note for all the members of the printing press the first is DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the nfl kicking off super bowl 57 new customers can get five dollars 
uh, bet $5 to win 200 in free bets instantly when you use promo code PFF to sign up. It is that easy. Go download the app or go to DraftKingsSportsbook.com and use promo code PFF uh, so you can get $200 in free bets when you bet $5 on any team to win. There are plenty of options there. We've talked about so many bets that we like already. Um, DraftKings makes it super duper easy. So go download the app and you'll kind of see just how easy it is. Um, there are obviously a lot of places that you can go to try and bet that don't make it that way. So highly recommend that you go set yourself up. If you're in Ohio, uh, Massachusetts coming online soon, you're looking for a sports book, um, go use promo code PFF at, uh, at DraftKings. Also Western and Southern helping you take your winnings and put them to good use, put together a plan for success, whether it is retirement, buying a home, starting a family, uh, or just watching your money grow. Um, want to make sure that you are setting yourself up for success and Western Southern can help you with that. Western Southern Financials, westernsouthern.com slash PFF to put together a game plan, custom tailored to what you are looking for. And last but not least, our friends at Underdog. They've got a wonderful set of tournaments and best ball weekly and playoffs, uh, all playoffs long. So you can go kind of get involved, but not have to stay involved as you do with fantasy normally. Um, their playoff best ball tournament has a million dollars in total prizes, 100K to first place. Use promo code PFF when you sign up and you'll get your first deposit of up to $100 matched. All right, it is time for the playoff locks of the week, um, which is just a beautiful time of year to be in. We have Arjun, who always has guest lines with us um, on Sunday nights. It's great to have you back. I feel like it's the right place uh, to start this out and have you here twice a week. Um, that Sunday podcast is so much fun. So welcome to Wednesday. Hope you feel kind of in place. We're going to obviously pick some bets here in a second. But we also want to talk a little bit of live betting strategy. Arjun, you bet um, a ton and you obviously bet during games as well someone that has followed a lot of what Judah's kind of put out there in terms of live betting strategy. Um, so let's, let's kick off here. There's a lot of uh, games that are all primetime Island games, basically. Mm. So it's going to be fun to follow along with them. Are there any in particular that you're looking at um, from a live betting angle as opposed to a pregame betting angle? Yeah. So one of the games I'm definitely looking at is Vikings giants, just because we know how the Vikings games go. If they're winning, it's usually a one score game. So in this case, one angle I'm really looking for is trying to get either team at plus seven and a half. So basically that it ends within a touchdown. Um, I think I would lean towards getting the Giants seven and a half more than the Vikings just because the Vikings losses have been more than one score games. So I think if the um, if the Vikings go up early in the first quarter, scripted plays and all that, that line jumps out to six and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half. Definitely, definitely look to try and get that just because the Vikings do play one of the softest defenses in the league in terms of their coverages, a lot of zone, a lot of light boxes that will invite a lot of runs and just uh, the Giants will be able to move the ball. And we did see something similar where the Giants kept the game close in week 16. And I do think we'll get a similar outcome in this game if the Vikings go up early or the Giants go up early and we can uh, try to snatch some seven and a half on either side. The words right out of my mouth, uh, exact same thing. I think, you know, Vikings great on scripted plays, and then you bet the Giants if they're down 7 nothing. Uh, I think that is the the best spot of the week from a live betting perspective. We haven't even talked about that game yet, so it was, it was due to come up at some point here. Um, no Chiefs this week. Uh, we do have Bills. They're out to, to minus 13 if they somehow, you know, go down. I think there, there could be an opportunity there, although they're playing Skylar Thompson. It appears no spread your Bridgewater as we talked about on Sunday being a possibility. Um, let's get into locks of the week. So here's how it goes. Uh, just to refresh any one that's new to the podcast, um, by the way, go, go jump into the uh, printing press discord. All three of us are going to be in there. The link is in the description. Um, we will pick our favorite bets and then we will align on locks of the week. Arjun, we're going to start with you. What's your first bet? Yeah. So, uh, what I brought, I brought two props and then one just like total um, that I'll I'll talk about. So this is actually my favorite prop bet of like the entire season. And it is Keenan Allen over six and a half receptions. Um, this obviously has some correlation with Mike Williams be, being questionable at this point. I don't even know if he's going to play at the time of recording. He's missed the first two practices of the week. The Jaguars have allowed 374 
receptions to players that have lined up in the slot. Now that is the, that ranks 25th among all defenses ranked from best to worst. So they do allow a lot of catches to slot receivers, Keenan Allen, one of the you know better slot receivers in the league. You might tell me like, Oh, Arjun, like the, the Jaguars defense has been form- performing well lately, right? 16 points, three points, three points. They played the Titans, the Texans and the Jets. They don't have real quarterbacks. They don't have real receivers except for, you know, Garrett Wilson. You look at, Good receivers that have played the Jags from the slot. CeeDee Lamb, seven catches. Amonra St. Brown, people who comped him to Keenan Allen coming out of college, 11 catches, 110 yards. Devontae Adams, 10 catches. Wandale Robinson, six catches. Paris Campbell, seven catches. Jerry Judy, six catches. You can see this type of trend of slot receivers doing very well versus the Jags. The Jags pass rush does scare me a little bit for as a Chargers fan. So knowing that Joe Lombardi might revert to a lot of quick game, a lot of quick passes, that is where Keenan Allen thrives, getting the ball over the middle. And in what should be be a shootout, total is 47 and a half. I do like uh, Keenan to go over his reception total here. Favorite prop of the year. Brad, what's your favorite or your prop first? Prop of the year. <laughs> so I uh, touched on a little bit earlier, but I'll start out with a teaser. Why not? So the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, look, I agree with you, George. Eight and a half is kind of scary because I think this is going to be maybe the lowest scoring game of the weekend, but they'll cover a field goal. So you tease the Bengals down to two and a half and you tease the Bucks up to eight and a half. That totals 45 and a half, which honestly is kind of high in that matchup. Maybe even looking the under a little bit there. But anyway, Bengals down to two and a half, Bucks up to eight and a half. Yeah, I, that uh, was one of mine as well. I'm definitely, I'm definitely aligned on that. I'll throw out my... Uh, other teaser option and get your guys take on this because we um Arjun on Sunday night I feel like we were pretty aligned on the Chargers right we saw mm-hmm. look you know that the Jags are coming in as their first playoff experience uh, the Chargers obviously have it they've been playing super well of late um and now it's out to two Jaguars at home we just had Seth Galina on he talked about all the ways that the Jaguars can take advantage of the Chargers man defense, how well Trevor Lawrence has played, how much uh, you know Christian Kirk can kind of take advantage of some of the slot uh, players for the Chargers and their man, man coverage. And so Jaguars out to eight, crossing three and seven is a higher total, but I, I do think is it is a viable option pairing them either with the Bucks um, or, or with the, the Bengals, if that's what you prefer, uh, I think is a really interesting option. Arch, we haven't talked to you about this yet. Like, how do you feel about um, that game in general from a spread perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I still I still think the Chargers are the right side. Um, obviously, you're kind of it's a little bit risky because of the Mike Williams situation. But I do think as a whole, their team is better. And in these type of close games, I usually side with the team that has the better quarterback, which, in my you know opinion, is Justin Herbert. And I think um yeah, I, I think I just think the Chargers are the better side. The the line has kind of moved towards the Chargers since Sunday, I believe. It's gone from like one to a two. Some places it's two and a half. So I think we're seeing some sharp money there also. Yeah, makes sense. Um, okay, your second bet, Arjun. Yeah, so this is one I think you're going to love it, George. We're going to the 49ers, and we're going to go with Christian McCaffrey over 16 and a half rushing attempts. Um, one of the things, you know, we gave out, 49ers Seahawks over but that is kind of went towards gone towards the under simply because of weather and I think this is why I love this prop so we're getting 16 and a half make sure you shop around because I think it's juiced at some books but simply put Kyle Shanahan loves to run the ball in the playoffs one of the things I was looking at from 2019 to 2021 in his two playoff appearances he has a negative 12.9 pass rate over expected so he's passing the ball 12.9 percent less than expected in those games you have running backs that accumulate a ton of carries. In 2019, Tevin Coleman, 22 carries. In the divisional round, uh, Raheem Mostert, 29 in the conference championship. Last year when Elijah Mitchell was the alpha RB1, 27 carries against Dallas, 17 carries against the Packers, and obviously he didn't get many carries against the Rams just because of game script and, and Rams are kind of controlling the ball. You don't trade for Christian McCaffrey unless you're going to give him the ball in the playoffs, right? So I think not only do we have playoff Shanny who loves to run the ball, but we also have this idea of like a sunk cost where the the 49ers might try to justify this trade for Christian McCaffrey Mm -hmm. and force feed him in a game where running the ball is going to be super important due to weather and other factors. 
Yeah, I like that a ton. It's also just going to work well because the Seahawks are 25th in EPA per rush allowed, and that was with Jordan Brooks on the team, and he's now hurt for the playoffs. So I I love that one. I'll do one more regular game. got some props later, but Giants plus three. It's my favorite upset pick of the weekend. Um, You know, this game was a two-point game last time they played about a month ago. Um, The the Vikings have since lost right tackle Brian O'Neill, probably a top five right tackle in the NFL. Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams is a nightmare matchup for Kirk Cousins. We talked all year about him against interior pressure, and they get Adoree Jackson back to this game as well, who, look, Justin Jefferson's going to get his, but Adoree's a good number one corner and, and can be limit him to a degree. Also get Xavier McKinney back from his ATV accident or whatever it was. Um, I think they'll be able to handle TJ Hawkins, and they have a good rotation of safeties. Uh, so I, I just think the Giants are going to win this game. I'm not going to bet the money line, but I love Giants plus three. I feel like that's getting uh, people are in love with the Vikings losing this game. Um, it's uh, people are starting to catch on to maybe the fact that they're not very good. Uh, finally, by the time the playoffs have rolled around. Um, but, uh, you know, we saw that game play out just a couple of weeks ago. And I think it's very clear that maybe the Giants are not a Super Bowl contender. But when it comes to playing a team that is mid-level like the Vikings, I guess just a perfect close game situation. Right. And, um, you know, in those situations, obviously, uh, you know, can come down to basically a coin flip and, you know, why not take the plus odds at that point? Um, my next bet is a, uh, is the one uh, spread bet that I'll, I'll throw out here other than the ones that have been talked about already. And that is Seattle plus nine and a half. The reason I'm throwing out Seattle plus nine and a half is you just talked about the weather. Um, I, I think that your point, Arjun, about Shanahan wanting to run the ball, he's certainly not going to want to throw it with Brock Purdy. Like that to me is an obvious kind of situation, right? Where maybe it was Jimmy G, you can expect a few more. But I, I do think it's going to be just, you know, running the ball up and down the field. But that's also what the Seahawks want to do. Um, and they're not bad at it, you know. Uh, and Kenneth Walker has been solid. I think I'll pair this with a, a player prop that I like in this game, which is Walker over 16 and a half carries uh, in this game um, and keeping it close, low total. It's, it's plummeting. It's down to 42 and a half. Um, so taking the, uh, the Seahawks plus sign out, it's not my favorite bet of the entire week um, necessarily, but I do think um, that there is, is some value there. Um, Arjun, your next bet. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to go to the Bills Dolphins game. I like the Bills team total over 27 and a half. Make sure you get 27 and a half. I think it's 27 and a half on DraftKings. I've seen 28 and a half on FanDuel. So make sure you shop around, try to get the best value. But simply put, the Bills are just a juggernaut at home. And I don't think the the Dolphins defense is good at all to stop, stop them and slow them down. So just to reference how much of a juggernaut they are, um, in the eight home games they've played, they've gone over this, they've uh, scored 28 or more points six out of those eight times the two games they didn't score over 28 points was the the jets game uh where they only scored 20 points and the green bay game where they scored 27 points so basically they hooked so they've pretty much done whatever they wanted to at home in both the dolphins games uh in the first dolphins game this put uh put up near 500 yards that only translated to 19 points because they lost in the high leverage situations but we kind of saw what they could do against the dolphins defense back when they played um on I believe it was Saturday Saturday night football on in, on in December and again I think the Dolphins type of man defense doesn't bode well against this Bills uh offense which has guys like Stefan Diggs that can get open and I think Josh Allen's legs will be also in play here now that it's the playoffs so I I really like the Bills team total over 27 and a half yeah just one more point too Bradley Chubb didn't practice today so you know another data point in favor of that one uh, so I'll do one we talked about earlier. I think it's my favorite prop of the year. You said Keenan Allen. I mean, CeeDee Lamb over six and a half catches. Uh, it's just, we already talked about it before, but Seth was talking about it. It's been particularly on third down. They target him a ton. They've been very successful on third downs, but even outside of that, he's the guy. He plays in a slot. The outside corners in Tampa are great. Dax didn't want to get the ball out relatively quickly against a solid, you know, d- defensive line for Tampa. And then if they are down in this game, it should be a close game. But if it's within one score, they're going to be throwing. And I think CeeDee Lamb's going to have 15 targets in this game. Yeah, um, I can get on board uh, with that. Obviously, I'm n- both of those uh, props are close to my favorite prop of the uh, of the year thus far. I'm not going to go that far with this one, but I I love it as much as you guys love those other two, and that's Stephon Diggs in in this matchup going over six and a half receptions. Um, you can get it at plus money out there, which surprises me 
the Dolphins coverage players, especially on the outside, have not been good. Xavier Howard, 58.4 PFF grade. Keon Crossan, 50.7. That's 112th out of 122 corners. Um, their, their coverage is not, is not great. You mentioned Bradley Chubb uh, not practicing. Um, and, and here's the thing. This is, I just love the Diggs, Allen, Bills angle, especially given where they've been over the past couple of weeks. You know, they're going to rely on their stars there. And, uh, you know, not to get like anti-analytical here, but you have that vision of Stefan Diggs staring at, you know, the, the winning Chiefs celebration. This is where kind of that redemption uh, begins. I think they're going to go out here kind of the way they started the NFL season and just try to, you know, beat the Dolphins by 50. Um, and uh, and Diggs has a, a huge mismatch there. So I like Diggs over six and a half. Arjun, do you have any more? No, that that's it for me. I got Brad, one more. I got one more. It's not posted yet. Uh, the, the cowards at DraftKings don't want me to cash this bet. But uh, the Dolphins also, Teron Armstead's quote today was, I'm doing everything I can up to the minute to try to play in this game. So he could play, but won't be 100%. Liam Eichenberg also did not practice today. Um, it's Gregory Rousseau sack prop. If it's, if it dr- comes on DraftKings, he's been a monster. He's been so, so good of late. Obviously, no Von Miller. They have a good interior, but... But if you can get, you know, plus money on 0.75, maybe, you know, maybe lay a little bit on, on a half, whatever. Um, I love Gregory Uso getting a sack. Because also, Skylar Thompson, between Teddy Bridgewater, Tua Tagovailoa, and him, his average time to throw is way higher. Um, I, I love Rousseau getting a sack here. Get on board with that. I see the over in that game. It's 43 and a half. I obviously liked it a lot more with, with Bridgewater in there. I still do kind of like the over there, just kind of the Bills, um, the Bills angle on things. And the Dolphins have nothing to lose, so they might as well chuck it up to uh, to Tyreek as much as possible to try and stay involved. Um, all right, those are the options. Um, I'll say I'll, I kind of kick this off. I like all three of the um, of the receiver props. Um, I think those make a make a ton of sense. I think we got to get a teaser in there as well. Um, Arjun, were there any that stuck out to you in particular that you liked? Yeah, I mean, I think we got to roll with Brad's teaser. I think that's that's like a gimme for me. I think that was a that was a really good one. Yeah, the 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 Bengals and um, and Bucks. Yeah, Bengals Bucks. Yep, um, I agree. Uh, I like all the receiver props. Only reason why I maybe get a little bit concerned about Diggs is just if they are up like thirty points at halftime because it's Skylar Thompson. Um, but I, I like that one as well. I really like the carries one for Christian McCaffrey as well. I really, really like yeah. that a lot. They're they're gonna pound the rock. And those numbers you had, I mean, you're talking about, you know, all due respect, but Christian McCaffrey's ten times better than those guys, and they had mm. twenty five carries. So I, I he might have thirty. Do not besmirch the good name of Jeff Wilson Jr. Kevin Coleman, <laughs> I apologize, Kevin Coleman, for, for besmirching Kevin your Coleman. name. <laughs> um yeah, okay. So um so okay, I like that that prop as well. So McCaffrey over sixteen and a half. Keenan Allen over six and a half. Uh CD Lamb over six and a half. Uh we'll throw Diggs in there. Why not? That gives us four over six and a half. Um Bengals and uh and Bucks teaser. Uh Bengals down to two and a half and Bucks out to eight and a half. Um one, one more for a six pack. <laughs> one more for a six pack. Why not? Why not? What 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 else are we throwing in there? Should we get a total in the mix, maybe? Okay. Which uh, we could go over Bills, Bills over team total. Yep. Yep. I like that one. All right. <laughs> We're just using my, all my picks then. Hey, welcome. Welcome, Arjun. You better not disappoint the members of the printing <laughs> press, okay? Um, better not disappoint. Uh, all right. Those are, those are the locks of the week. If you want to kind of get up to the minute, um, you know, status updates and, and uh, be flexible with them as we learn more news. Definitely go check out the Printing Press Discord. Um, hang out with us there. It's a lot of fun. Um, go to pff.com as well. Get promo, uh, use promo code forecast to get 25% off. That way you can see all of the, uh, the model predictions, uh, not just our locks, but all of them for every, it looks like most props are out there already. So you go check those out as well and build build yourself a beautiful playoff portfolio. It's um training here on the West Coast. It's beautiful football weather, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, this is going to be a fantastic weekend of football. So 
hopefully you guys all enjoy it. Arjun, thanks for hanging out with us on uh, a Wednesday night. We will, of course, be back Sunday night. We're going to guess the lines for the divisional round um, live on, uh, on YouTube. So come check it out uh, as well. Thanks for hanging out. Love you. Thanks.